think we showed that we can compete, we can create chances. Um, we didn't play particularly well with the ball, uh, and that's something that we can improve on. So it's always good to have things you can you can look at objectively and improve on. I think for us that's, that's important, but also knowing that we were we were close to scoring goals. We, we had a lot of chances, we created those chances. But now we just have to score and then continue to, to build upon the, the good parts and correct the mistake. This is Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer, joined by Franco Panizzo, who caught the red eye after the game to record the pod on time. That is commitment, ladies and gentlemen, and he is currently running on fumes. Franco, what was it like to be part of Inter-Miami's historic debut game against LAFC? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to be in attendance, see the crowd, see the Inter-Miami fans, and see the game, and finally see... uh a match that matters for points and see, you know, what, what Inter Miami was all about and what they had to offer. So uh, we'll get all, we'll jump right all into it and uh, discuss it plenty. I was uh, very impressed with your post-game report from uh, Bank of California Stadium, right by the turf, empty stadium. It just looked very professional. I don't know how you managed to evade security <laughs> guards, but, but you did a good job. Slipped, Bef- him, slipped him a five. <laughs> That's all? Uh, before we get kicking, just a quick reminder that you can follow the pod on every social media platform imaginable, MIA Total Football, football written the Espanol way, F-U-T-B-O-L. You can follow that on Twitter, Miami underscore total underscore football on IG, and Miami Total Football on Facebook. You can interact with us on all of those using the hashtag MTFR. Um, MTFers, as Franco likes to mutter to himself, yeah, the, and then we have the best MTFers out there. Come on, man, you gotta, you know, gotta talk, talk them up. We do, and we already have plenty of questions. Hashtag MTFers. Um, you will send us your questions. We will pick some of them, and we will uh, answer them. You can also send us your comments, uh, not only about the team, but. Even about our show, I was glad to see that we had one positive comment about our preseason uh, shows, episode one and two, and now it is for real. So, let's get to it. Y me quedo con eso, con el corazón del equipo. Seguramente tenemos que mejorar lo futbolístico, pero con este corazón y con esta intensidad con la que juega el equipo, seguramente ganaremos muchísimos partidos. Before we talk about the game, let's talk about the supporters you encountered in L.A. Seems like they traveled in respectable numbers. You spoke to a few. Uh, The players interacted with them as well, and you took a video of that that has gone hashtag viral on Twitter. A good sign for club fan culture going forward. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I didn't take that video. I just push tweeted that video. It was not my video. Just, okay. just to be clear, so Correction. so I don't get uh, anyone coming at me <laughs> the next few days over over Twitter. Um, but no, it was uh, it was great. You know, there was three hundred to four hundred fans in attendance, traveling fans from uh, Miami uh, and South Florida in general. Uh, and I think Don Garber said that Tom Penn, uh, co-owner of LAFC and the president of LAFC, said that it was the greatest uh, away crowd that they've ever had. So. Uh, there was a lot of passion in the stands, a lot of singing, a lot of chanting. I mean, they were up, they were jumping up and down at a bar hours before uh, first kick. Uh, David Beckham made an appearance, uh, you know, the day before the, the day of the game. Um, but the, the the video that went viral was the day before the game, after training, uh, the whole team just jumping up and down, 
uh, with with the fans and, and just a great a great scene. Um, it was a really good advert for for the league because we know that LAFC have some very uh, vocal um, fans uh, support groups and they were loud throughout, but you could still hear the. Inter Miami supporters in the corner of the stadium there, uh, doing the team proud and, and supporting them all, all the way. So I think that this was a very good preview of what we're going to see, hopefully here in South Florida and in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. I mean, this 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 was just four hundred, three hundred to four hundred fans. So imagine you know that that home opener in two weeks, uh, it's sold out. The crowd's gonna be rocking. I can like I can't wait to see uh, the show that's put on in the stands and on the field and in two weeks. In last week's episode, you and I finished the pod by talking about what the club had done in order to reach out to supporters groups, showing them the stadium. One of the things that I really liked was they tweeted out and put posted on Instagram a GIF is a GIF or GIF? I think is that still a discussion that's going on in in the world of uh, social media. I think it's GIF technically. It, well, I like GIF better, and it was a representative from each one of the supporters group. I, uh, supporters groups. I thought that was a very nice touch, but it was great to see. I was happy that you uh, went. You were trying to decide whether or not you you should go, but you felt like you should yep. go, and last you are, minute decision. You are one of the insiders, and I'm glad that you got back here on time to make it to this podcast yeah i mean you know for an expansion team uh you know we literally started playing together not even two months ago and so uh to be able to come here uh to show that we can compete against one of the best teams in mls uh and you know we showed that we also created chances had our chances to, to tie the game to win the game and um yeah unfortunately we weren't able to to get a goal uh there at the end um we felt a tie would have been fair uh, for the chances we created, but um, you know we showed that we can compete with one of the best teams in MLS, so this is good. Okay, let's turn our attention to the field of play at Bank of California Stadium. LAFC beat Inter-Miami 1-0, courtesy of a glorious goal, as John Champion put it, scored by reigning MVP Carlos Vela at the tail end of the first 45. A remarkable goal in order to finally get one past one of the standouts of the game, Luis Robles. Yeah, it was a sensational finish from Carlos Vela, just you know, the magic that has become the norm for him in MLS. Um, very impressive goal, very impressive finish. I rewatched it today, uh, the game today, once I got back from, uh, from Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, the, don't take anything away from the finish, but the spacing between the midfield and the back line in the lead up to that goal is something that's probably going to drive Diego Alonso crazy because it was avoidable. It, it, essentially, that play starts off a throw-in uh, that leads to their goalkeeper just kicking a long ball up the field under pressure, and you know the ball just falls to Carlos Vela, and there's no, you know, neither of the holding midfielders were there to help put that fire out. Well, well there was also a fortuitous bounce, and we'll get to that in a second. Let's first run through. Uh, what was Inter-Miami's first ever 11 in an official game. It was Luis Robles in goal, Alvis Powell on the right of a back four, Nico Figal and Roman Torres were the center-back tandem, Ben Sweat played on the left, a double pivot of Victor Ulloa and Will Trapp, Rodolfo Pizarro played as the 10, flanked by Matias Pellegrini and Lewis Morgan, and Robbie Robinson led the line. Do you think that the result was a fair reflection of what we saw in the 90 minutes plus 
of that game. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, on the, the the balance of of play, I think LAFC was the better team. Um, you know, they created m- many more chances. Uh, I think I, I looked at the stat. I can't remember off the top of my head, but their front three combined for uh, at least nine shots, um, if not more. Uh, so. LAFC was the better team over the course of the 90 minutes. Inter-Miami had its moments, especially in that first half when uh, they started to gain some momentum, started to create opportunities, uh, and then comes that Carlos Vela goal to kind of hit him with a gut punch right before the halftime break. So uh, I think it, I think it was a fair result. Inter-Miami maybe could have could have snuck one, and then you know, 1-1 wouldn't have been you know, a terrible result, but I think 1-0 was just based off of what we saw. We talked about leading up to the game, whether the game against Lyon the CONCACAF Champions game, which, by the way, was a really impressive game, very impressive match and performance from LAFC where they left it all on the pitch, as you do in every game. I hate to go into cliches, but it was one where... Not necessarily. It, it, there's, some, there's some games you see where teams don't... don't you know. That is true. That is, that is true. You hope that they do that in every game. But after that performance, we had discussed the possibility of them coming into this one a little bit tired, a little bit fatigued, a little bit stretched. And I think we did see an LAFC and was a little bit fatigued and stretched. And ultimately, that may have been the difference between just the one goal differential because in the beginning, and there were many moments throughout the 90, where Luis Robles really had to put out some fires. Yeah, I mean, I definitely looked over in the press box to some of the South Florida press corps uh, at different times and kind of... Uh, cringed as we saw what was unfolding because it did not look good for Inter-Miami, uh, especially early on. Uh, you know, LAFC had one goal called back for offside in the opening minutes. Uh, they had another one called back for offside early in the second half. Um, so, But, yeah, the first half, the, fir- the opening 15, 20 minutes uh, were pretty much all LAFC. And then it took, like I said, it took a while for Inter-Miami to, to gain some footing and, and find its rhythm into the match. But it did eventually, um, and they created some chances. It just, you know, they couldn't put one in the back of the net. You definitely have to say that after you saw that uh, save from Robles, the first save as an Inter-Miami player, that that could have been a very dark omen for what was to come, perhaps a tsunami of attacking play. And for the better part of that first 45, LAFC, I think, attacked with some gusto. And it was really just some inefficiencies in the final third that didn't punish um, Inter-Miami a little bit more and that allowed them to grow into the game. But the, the you saw some of the disjointedness that you would expect from an expansion team, a team that has played very little together that hasn't had too much time to prepare. But overall, in terms of, in terms of um, cohesion on the defensive end, I thought that as the game progressed, we saw some very good signs from Inter-Miami, especially that back six. Uh, Roman Torres and Figal looked pretty decent together. Figal was, for me, other than Robles, the outstanding player for Inter-Miami. Yeah, I agree with you. I thought Figal was uh, ex- exceptional. I thought he was a standout performer, um, n- not only on the defensive side and, and making tackles and winning the ball, but... Also, on the ball, dribbling upfield, there was more than one occasion where he either made a darting run with the ball up the field and into the into LAFC's half, uh, or he, he followed the play. Uh, he made the pass, followed the play, and kept kept going forward. Um, so he's a confident player on the ball, and, and I guess we'll see a little bit more of that as the year progresses, and I think that's a great 
uh, weapon for Inter Miami to have uh, in, in their in their bag of tricks. Uh, and just defensively overall, it was a solid performance. Obviously, you're, you're playing LAFC star-studded attack, uh, but there were some weaknesses. There were some uh, some faults there that need to be addressed. Uh, like I, what, for example? I think Alvis Powell had a very, very poor game. Um, and the only reason... And I think that might be putting it lightly. Well, I think the only reason we saw it stay 1-0 is because of the effort and fight and commitment that the team showed. And I, that's what they talked about after the game. They were proud about how hard they worked and the fight they showed and the heart they showed. Yes, they they put they put in 100% in this game, in this first match. They You cannot say that they did not try, but there were definitely some, some weaknesses. And you saw it in the play of, of Figal, who had to do a lot of emergency defending, closing up spaces that were left open uh, by his teammates. Going back to Alvis Powell, I don't think a player could have a worse debut than Alvis Powell uh, had. And look, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to throw him under the bus here, but it, it is a first game. And once things start going badly, it can very easily derail. And we saw that, but it was mostly on the attacking end on the right-hand side. When the ball went to him, you, an Inter-Miami player never really got it back. Defensively, I thought he made a couple of very important blocks. I forgot who took one of the shots from point-blank rage, and he threw his body, put it on the line. So there were some moments, I think, for for Powell um, where he redeemed himself. But overall, one of those displays where I think Diego Alonso is, is going to wonder whether this guy should be the starting right back. And again, I know that it is a first game, but it left a very, very bad image. Yeah, no, I, I think, again, I, I thought he was, I did my player ratings uh on, on the red eye, uh, and you know, I think Alvis Powell was the worst performer. He was the weakest link uh, in this debut match. Um, now, to be fair, he did have, you know, like you said, uh, three really important interventions uh, through his body uh, in the way of shots that were headed for the frame, uh, and he made he made those three big stops. But on the whole, was not overly impressive. I mean, in possession, he just didn't have it on the day. Uh, and defensively, he had a tough time uh, keeping up with LAFC's attackers. Uh, and, and there was just one play midway or late in the second half that kind of just was eye-opening and kind of confusing and perplexing. You know, the, the, I forget who it was on LAFC, but they play a long ball essentially over the top and behind him, and he look, he's facing the ball. Completely misjudges the flight of the ball. Stares at it, and then it just goes over his head. And then he reacts. It's, it, like, it was... It was Mind blowing to see. Although to be to, to be fair to him on that one, uh, I had the benefit of the replay and you didn't because you were in you were in the stadium. I think. Well, actually, you were in the press box, so maybe you did see the replay. But it did look like the player who I think was Rodriguez was offside, um, but the flag didn't go up, and and I think a corner uh, ended up being given. You got to play to the whistle, man. No, of course I'm not saying. And he, he did. He didn't give up on the play. But you're absolutely right that the fact. Yeah. His reaction was slow. His positioning w- was poor, but that may have been, I think, uh, uh, um, that may have looked worse because the entire defense didn't step up. I don't know if he was fatigued or or what, but like in that moment to me, it seemed like he was mentally checked out a bit. Because after, so that you know, they get him behind, they they create a shot that gets blocked out for a corner, um, and then on the corner kick. 
Eddie Segura breaks breaks free of Alvis Powell and like misses from f- six yards away on on the volley attempt. Just got, shoots it over the crossbar, and Alvis Powell just like got left to, on his mark, just got left in, behind in the dust. So, like, in that moment, I, I'm I don't know if Alvis Powell was dealing with fatigue or I don't know if there's something else. Maybe he was going through some like some some injury or some discomfort because this is something I noticed live in the game. He wore different cleats in each half. He, yeah, he did change his cleats. Change yeah. cleats at halftime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not sure why. Never we didn't well, we didn't get an answer for that. Was but it, um, wasn't you know, right. Th- th- I mean, you know. And LAFC understood early on that he was the weak link in this specific game, and they overloaded the left side with Rodriguez. Sometimes Rossi went down that that, that side. Uh, Janela also tended to drift to the, to the left when they were building. And to just uh, jump on a point that you made about just his decisions were too slow in passing the ball. That was essential in this game because LAFC had sixty percent possession. And there was a lot of talk before this game from Diego Alonso and players that Inter-Miami were going into this game trying to assert themselves with possession-based football. But they ended up playing uh, pretty deep in their own defensive third and trying to break on the counterattack because they really were being outplayed in the middle of the park. And because of that, you saw some frustration from Pizarro, uh, who remonstrated with a few of of the teammates in terms of their their passing choices. What did you think of the double pivot of Uyoa and, and Trap in this game? I wasn't uh, overly convinced with them. Um, you know, again, defensively they covered and they they put in the effort and commit were committed to to the cause over the ninety minutes. But uh, in terms of their uh, passing and their accuracy and you know, playing forward and trying to play through lines. I didn't think they had it for really for much of the match. Um, I think they missed the mark quite a bit, which hurt Inter Miami and gave back gave possession back to LAFC pretty cheaply um, and started another long sequence of LAFC possession. So um, I wasn't overly convinced with the with the midfield on, on a whole. Um, I know you asked me about the two specific in the middle there, but on a whole, the midfield kind of uh, was lacking. Uh, in this one it goes without saying that they were playing against a midfield that is a very well oiled machine blessing perhaps one of the most underrated midfielders in the league let's talk about the dps pellegrini started on the left he drifted a little bit uh, to the right at very few times he mostly stayed on the left hand side had a very good shot that that forced an excellent save from vermeer and Pizarro, what were your thoughts on their performances? I thought uh, Pellegrini was very quiet for me. Pellegrini, he had the shot, and he had one back heel that helped set up a chance. Um, but on the whole, not not involved, not very involved at all, um, which is something I also saw in the preseason game. He just didn't have uh, enough on the day. That's what I'm saying. For me, the midfield was, was lacking overall. Pizarro, for me, showed a good bit um, of quality when he got on the ball, I think, the, some of the most promising sequences that Miami had involved him getting on the ball and creating and either dribbling by a guy or slipping a pass into a teammate. I thought he was one of the better performers for Inter Miami. Uh, and, you know, obviously when they play different teams that are not LAFC, uh, maybe he'll get even more touches to, to create some magic. He had, you know, that one half chance where he early on in the second half where he stretches out to try to meet uh, a Lewis Morgan cross, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and he just, you know, pushes it wide. Um, so I thought Pizarro was, was one of the better players for, for Inter-Miami on the day. Lewis Morgan on the right-hand side, when he was able to stretch the play, which wasn't very often, I thought that that's when Inter-Miami, Inter-Miami had the most success in this game. He had a few crosses. His calibration 
needed a little bit of work, a lot of uh, a lot of the crosses. I think errant would be too strong a word, but they didn't meet the desired targets. But that seemed to be one of the ways that they were able uh, to create danger. Up top, Robbie Robinson looked like an isolated player for much of the time. Physical player, a tall player, a guy who obviously knows how to run the channels, can hold the ball up. But when he turned to face danger, for the most part, he didn't have anybody to help him. Yeah, I think it was a case of, uh, you know, it's his first professional match, the rookie uh, out of Clemson. This is a tall order for, for, for a rookie player. So, um, yeah, it's just, I, I didn't think he, he was that good either. And, I mean, it's, it's starting to sound like we're, we're being a, a little pessimistic. But I, I think just if we're being honest with ourselves, I think in the attack, the team struggled. And I don't think there were that many clear-cut chances. I think defensively, the team put on forth a heck of an effort. Um, Alvis Powell's, you know, hiccups aside. Um, but in the attack, the team lacked a bit. And I think part of that is just they need a number nine. They need a striker. Uh, they've said that they're in, you know, they're looking in the market for a, a number nine to fill that final DP slot uh, with, but they need that. They, that's that's going to help take this team to another level, and the sooner they can do it, the better. Right. It's also the, the hardest part of the game to stitch together is the attacking play. There's a reason that players who put the ball in the back of the net get paid a lot of money because it's the hardest thing to do. Let's get to some of the questions because this was one of the areas uh, or sectors of the field uh, where there were a lot of questions. Uh, the first one comes from Nico Cantor, who's a play-by-play -play commentator at TUDN, or T-U-D-N, uh, and that is one of the places where you will be seeing a lot of MLS football, soccer, including next week's game in, in D.C., and we'll talk more about that in a second. Chris Winningham will be one of the... Uh, game callers, uh, a, f a friend of mine and a, f and a friend of the pod who will have at some point uh, in the future. Nico uh, says that or mentions that McDonough said that he wanted to bring someone in at the nine uh, until Carranza comes back uh, from his injury. And his question is, can Inter Miami hold up without a notable nine? The first hashtag mtf uh to ask a question. Um, it's a historic moment. Uh, can they hold up? I think they can hold up. I think, you know, again, what we saw this weekend was them play against LAFC, uh, one of the best teams in the league. So they're not going to be playing LAFC every weekend or teams like LAFC every weekend. Can they hold up? Sure. I think they can hold up just based on the talent they have, especially once the chemistry uh, and the understanding of how to play with each other uh, improves. I think, I think they can get by. I think that, but again, if they want to be a top team in the East, which, you know, they said they want to compete for cups and trophies, and then they need the number nine sooner rather than later because you can hover around the middle of the of the, of the the pack, but then, you know, that's, that's only going to get you so far. That might not get you a home playoff game or, um, you know, get you in a, in a prime position to, to make a, a serious run uh, in should, the playoffs. It should be said that there were some opportunities for Inter-Miami. I, I think the, the best one fell to Figal, actually. He just didn't strike the ball cleanly. There was a, a loose ball in the box, and he got on the end of it. Uh, either side of Vermeer, that would have probably gone in. Just to follow up on uh, Nico's question, we have a comment mostly from D. Uyoa on Twitter it says Keyswetter must have not impressed at all during the preseason for the coach to start Robbie and play Agudelo off an injury. 
I mean, that's a that's a very good point. And he was a, a name that we mentioned before. Uh, and the fact that uh, I know somebody who plays for El, El Paso who knows him well and said Kieswetter is the kind of guy who moves very well in the box. He can score some goals, but he didn't think that uh, he'd get too many opportunities. And this is living proof of that. Well, yeah, he didn't he didn't even dress in the 18. So, um, I mean, that's the coach's decision. Uh I haven't. I didn't get to see any of Keith Vetter. He didn't play in either of the two preseason games that were open to the public, so I couldn't tell you what kind of form he's in. Or, um, but uh, I'm sure he'll get his chance. I'm sure you know the season's long. We're we're in week one. He'll he'll get an opportunity at some point um, to to make his to make his case. Uh, he just didn't have the opportunity this weekend. Last point on on this game. What did you make of the substitutions that were made pretty late into the second half by Diego Alonso, including going to a back three to allow Ben Sweat, who we haven't really talked about very much. I thought he grew into the game quite well. Had a had a very, you know, uh, soft shot at the end. He was looking for the shot on his left foot, cut into his right, and basically passed it to to Vermeer. But the change to essentially a, a 3-5-2 at the end of the game to allow Sweat on the left and Powell on the right, and that was one of the problems because uh, the issue in this game w- wasn't that Powell needed more of the ball. It was perhaps uh, perhaps the opposite. So maybe some surprising substitutions, but what did you make of that? I just thought they came a little too late. I thought they could have been done uh, a bit earlier uh, in the second half when it was kind of clear that the group that was out there was not probably not going to get a goal. Uh, again, it had been quite a while since L- uh, since Inter Miami had created a, a goal scoring chance uh, against LAFC. Again, I think the 53rd minute was that Pizarro half chance that he you know hit with the outstretched right foot. Um, so I thought Agudelo should have came come in earlier. Uh, and then you know I but I, I liked I liked the tactical adjustment. I liked seeing that you know he changed the formation to try to be more more attacking. Um, and you saw in St. Pete's that he played the the two preseason games with two different formations. Right, but this, this, this one was one of this one, and then the the five three three two or three five two. Well, this one, this, this one wasn't uh, wasn't the same as the preseason game where he played the three. Uh, sorry, the five four one. This time he played uh, a three one four two, which you can say it's a three five two yeah. if you'd like. Um, but the, but Powell and and Sweat weren't used as wingbacks when Inter Miami was looking for a goal and when they switched this formation, they were used as midfielders. They took higher positions up the field uh, and they were trying to attack, trying to get some width. They were just trying to throw numbers forward. I can yeah, know. Absolutely, Robbie, Robbie. Yeah. Yeah, they, were, they were just trying to find that. They were one. just used as the attacking fullbacks and not necessarily the ones who were going to track back. Um, the extra work was done by uh, the lone defensive midfielder in, in that situation. Overall, your player of the match for Inter Miami. Player of the match? I mean, I really like Figal, but if we're going just player of the match, I have to go uh, Luis Robles for just how active he was and obviously came up with some some key saves to prevent uh, the scoreline from looking uglier than, than it could have been. I agree. It was a standout performance from a veteran uh, who is also the captain, and I think we'll probably see a lot more of that. And I know that we said that defensively there was some solidity, but there is no doubt that we saw some breakdowns but you have to take into consideration that they were facing LAFC, the best out- offensive output last season, the reigning MVP who proved why he is the reigning MVP. And when all is said and done, I think that the fact that they were able to leave Bank of California just one goal down uh, was in itself 
a feat because it could have been worse if there weren't some last-ditch efforts and if we didn't see the goalkeeping exploits of what I consider to be uh, one of the top three goalkeepers in the league. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, obviously we've judged the performance on a whole in terms of what we thought was good and bad, but I think if you take it all and put it all together and and understand the circumstances, I think think we can agree that for a first game, first ever game together as a group, first official game, I think it's not terrible. Um, Obviously, there's lots of room to grow, lots of room for improvement, but I think once again, once that chemistry... uh, is worked on a little bit more with some more time. I think Inter Miami will be fine, and I think that you know Diego Alonso said that after the game. He said, you know, once we get some time with the if, if we play, continue to play with this intensity and we continue to play with this commitment and heart, then you know this team's going to do big things in MLS. Just before we uh, look ahead to the game at Audi Audi Fields in, in Washington D.C., here's a question. Do you think that a taller and longer goalie saves Vela's chip shot, or was it just a perfect birthday gift to himself because he saw Robles out of position and chip, chipped it perfectly? That is from Tank721. I believe that's your brother. It is my brother. Um, I think a, a taller goalkeeper makes that save, yeah, but, you know, um, maybe he's not in that position. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to fault Robles for, for not being taller. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> they can't, can't really criticize him for that. But, I mean, yeah, I think a taller goalkeeper can make that safe. Maybe a taller goalkeeper also cheats a little bit more uh, ahead. Personally, I don't think that Robles can do a thing about it. It was, it was, it was uh, perfection. He wasn't even poorly positioned. He was covering the angle in case the shot came on, came on the ground. Profe, como todo, no, no, no le gusta perder, pero ah, nos felicitó por, por el gran partido que, que hicimos, por, por la entrega y tuvimos ocasiones de goles para, para, para irnos adelante en el primer tiempo, pero bueno, así es el fútbol, entonces hay que seguir trabajando y, y, y ya pensar en lo que viene. As mentioned before, Inter Miami traveled to D.C. on Saturday to face... DC United, almost for <laughs> <laughs> DC United at Audi Field at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. DC lost their home opener to Colorado at the death in what was a scrappy, dysfunctional, but nevertheless all-important goal. On paper, a very good team, and I think it's going to be another very tough test for young Inter-Miami. I think it's going to be another tough test. Uh Obviously, D.C. United is talented on paper. Um, they just signed uh, Federico Higuain today, uh, playmaker that can help them you know, create chances, uh, which we didn't see a whole lot of uh, in, in week one from D.C. Um, so it should be an interesting matchup. I think it'll be an easier matchup, if you can call it that, for Inter-Miami. Um, D.C. United is not at the level of LAFC, um, and I think Inter-Miami will see more of the ball than they did uh, in Los Angeles. So, you know, if they can sharpen up in the final third and find that last bit of quality, um, I think there there's goals to be had for this team. A lot of difference makers in the 11. Uh, Edison Flores, of course, is, right. is the name that, that stands out. You know him well Perucho. because you are Peruvian and you've covered the Peruvian national team. I know him well because I've commentated on a lot of mm-hmm. uh, Peruvian national team uh, games. He's a fabulous player, but if there is one Achilles heel on this guy, it's that he tends to disappear uh, from games. Uh, when he appears, he's a game changer. There's, right. there's no denying it. 
but he can he can uh, uh, float on the margins uh, and disappear completely. And he's a player that needs to make his presence felt. And of course, uh, the newcomer there, another newcomer, is is Gressel, who uh, leaves at, uh, Atlanta amid a little bit of acrimony. It seems he's a guy who can who can add a, a lot to to that team and a defensive midfield of uh, Filippi uh, Martins, who we know well, or Martins, as uh, <laughs> MLS soccer coming aficionados with, would say. Coming with that Portuguese pronunciation. <laughs> yeah, and Junior Moreno, the Venezuelan international. Uh, both these guys are guys who are battle-tested. They are gritty, uh, and they like to get in their opponents' faces. So, so w- w- that's something that we did not see against LAFC. We did not see... Uh, too much combat in the midfield. It wasn't a very combative game, even though uh, Mark Anthony K got into somebody's face at one point. I don't remember who it was. It was uh, just for a second or two, or maybe am, am I confusing with the game against Leon? Maybe no, I, I think am. you're right. I think you're right. Just, um, it's but these are guys. These are guys who are definitely going to get under Inter Miami players' skins, especially Felipe, because n- not since Carlos Ruiz Pescadito have we seen a guy who managed manages to piss off so many players <laughs> um yeah he's the type of player you love to have uh love to play with but hate to play against and he's um, a wonderful person like he's a wonderful guy off the field i think that's one thing that uh i didn't touch on that we didn't touch on um uh, well go ahead no no i think i think inter miami needs more of a ball winner um i don't think we saw enough of that against lafc again you low and uh and trap they were they're there to to help build up through possession, they're they're there to combine and short pass, and um, but they're not necessarily there for because of their defensive tenacity and their range and their ability to break things up. Um, and I think that's where you know we're gonna need to see Inter Miami. Uh, we're gonna need to see Inter Miami take it up a notch if if they're gonna win, if they're gonna take the three points from DC. Um, but again, I think we're gonna see Inter Miami have more of the ball and. Again, if they can clean up some things in the final third, then they're going to have some. They're going to have more chances, and they sh- that should lead to goals. Um, but you're right; they need to match that that fight and that that bite, just like they did against LFC. Maybe even another notch because this is a Ben Olsen team, and Ben Olsen was a scrappy player. Yeah. So all of his teams tend to tend to have that fight. They don't tend to roll over uh, too easily, even if they're not the most talented on paper. So the, Inter Miami has to be up for it. Um, but I think Diego Alonso has the tactically has the upper hand on on Ben Olsen. So I think that's another area where where Inter Miami can uh, take advantage. Interesting to see Canales playing as a right back and not in his usual uh, center mid position, which is understandable considering the players that are now populating uh, that position. This is going to be a this is going to be a very uh, a, a good one, and, but a, an opportunity for Inter Miami to make a statement after uh, getting their their wheels turning. On the point that you made about Uyoa and Will Trap, my own my only addition would be this. This is a team that is built for possession, according to Diego Alonso. Both those guys can play possession football. So the expectation perhaps is not that they need a, a, a real destroyer in that midfield because they want to dominate possession. But I, but I agree with you that maybe a bulldog would be uh, essential uh, in the defensive side of the midfield. For a, team against, like a, for a game against like LAFC, you need that because they're going to come and hit you with their, with their star-studded attack. Maybe against DC United, maybe you don't need it as much. Maybe you can get away with not having that. But again, like we said, they're very talented on paper, so they could also pose you problems. 
before we finish off, prediction for what could happen in this game? Do you see Inter-Miami? I'm not asking for a score, but do you think Inter-Miami could get a win at Audi Field? I mean, could they get a win? Yes, they could get a win. Do they get a win? I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to say a... I'll just say a draw. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Remember that you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and that the way to get in touch with us is by using the hashtag MTFR. MTFers. Last thought before we sign off. Parting thought from Franco Panizo. It's good to get the games going. Um, and now uh, we close in cl too on the on the home opener, which we'll both be at. And um, it's, it's the, the buzz in in Miami is, is and Fort Lauderdale is ramping up um, even more so for for this team. And it's uh, it's really interesting to see. Um, yep. And by the way, Bad Bunny's album came out last last weekend on so Friday. Surfer. Yeah. So uh, you know, if I know people don't might not know the backstory, but uh, Eric is the only person in Miami that doesn't know who Bad Bunny is. I did know who Bad Bunny was, but we, <laughs> no, he didn't. But no, he didn't. I, uh, no, he didn't. But I was yeah. published the worst tweet was in making, the history of mankind. I was making fun of his costume <laughs> during the Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl. Get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. And remember that you can download us on iTunes. Download the pod on iTunes. Leave a review, please, um, if you give us more than three stars. <laughs> Until next week.